We live in an extremely divided world, don't we? I mean, uh, as Australians, we know this weekend alone, don't we, that our world is exceptionally divided. Is it Australia Day or Invasion Day? Are you on the left or the right? Are you a small L liberal or a conservative? Are you a communist or a capitalist? Are you a greenie or an industrialist? Are you in favour of nuclear energy as our road to net zero or renewables? Are you an idealist or a pragmatist? Are you a rainbow warrior or a homophobe? You have to pick aside, don't you, it feels like, and you have to argue for it intensely and there's just no way, apparently, we can find a way to get on anymore. Or has there ever been? In fact, actually, the world's probably always been pretty divided. There's always been hot topics. There's always been things to argue about. In fact, uh, I once heard a story uh, uh, of a, a lady who lived in Lindisfarne who told me how divided uh, the community used to be between whether you went to this church here or the one up on the highway, uh, the Methodist church. There was, there was a bit of a divide between Methodists and Anglicans about who was really on God's side. Division seems to be second nature to us as humans. How is it that we find peace? How is it that we find unity? And the answer, of course, no surprises, is Jesus. Building our lives on him and what he's done for us. Jesus brings together the most unlikely of folk. We see in uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's writing to a church that's made up of people who normally are divided. The church in Ephesus is made up of two groups, Jew and Gentile. And the Jews were uh, God's people. They were the ones who had been promised the Messiah, who'd been, who were part of the chosen uh, race, they thought themselves pretty special and pretty important when it came to God and his work in the world. And the Gentiles, well, those were all those who weren't chosen, those outside of God's kingdom, those who could never fully enter. There was a way to sort of become a God-fearer if you weren't uh, born into the, the Jewish kingdom, but you could never fully participate and fully enter in. But of course... The remarkable thing about what happens when Jesus arrives on the scene is that he brings the fullness of what God had always promised, which is that God's kingdom was for all people everywhere. And so in Christ, we have this remarkable unity that uh, the church in Ephesus experienced. Uh, Ephesians 2.11 uh, to 13, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, that is uh, the Jews, which is done by the human hands, remember that at the time you were, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the remarkable thing about what God has done in Jesus. Through Jesus' death, he has paid the price, not just for Jews, but for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. Jesus gives to each person, regardless of who they are or where they've come from, the same peace with God, the same access to God. Every single human being, regardless of where they were born, what they look like, what political persuasions they have, all of us share the same spiritual condition. We all have the same problem and therefore we all need the same solution. Paul reminded us of this at the start of this chapter, which we looked at last week, at verse 1 of chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead. Everyone. And in Christ, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, Chinese or Caucasian or anything in between, or something completely different, we are one in our need for Christ and his saving work on the cross. Because we are all dead in our sins and we all need Christ's saving work to bring us to life. It is Christ and Christ alone who can bring us peace. And when he does so, he brings us together. Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. The Jew and the Gentile in Ephesus, they're united together, not by following the same rules, but by finding the same peace through God, which flows onto their relationships with one another because of what God has done for each of them in Christ. Peace comes only with Jesus. And this is good news for our world and it's counterintuitive news for our world, isn't it? John Lennon wrote a song we all know about imagining that the world would be in peace if we just got rid of faith. But actually, his solution is, falls horribly short. Because God, who made the world, tells us peace only comes through embracing not any religion, but Jesus. How are we going to see peace in our world? Peace between warring nations, peace between differing political ideas, peace between uh, neighbours on the streets in Australia who have, can't agree about the most fundamental of things. How do we get peace? If it's not obvious to you by now, I want to suggest that it ought to become obvious soon enough that we're never going to find peace through protests or political win or 
firing up our tanks and our guns, we might get something that feels like peace for a while if we get a win, but it's only going to be temporary and it won't be true, lasting or life-giving peace. Jesus is the only way to true peace. And we have peace through Jesus because no matter who we are or who we were, when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Christ, each of us receives a new identity in him that we share with one another. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. This is remarkable news for a Gentile in uh, first century Ephesus, that because of what Jesus has done, they now share uh, with the Jews who have faith in Christ in all the promises that God had made. And they now are not separate and different and lesser, but the same and equal together. And as Christians... We too have this new identity. I'm pretty sure every person in the room today, although I could be wrong, is a Gentile. This is good news for us. We are God's children, members of God's household. And our new identity is the fruit of our faith in what Jesus has done. Our new identity as members of God's household, as brothers and sisters in Christ, is built on the foundation of the teaching of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone. That is, it's the gospel. It's the gospel that transforms us and it takes us from people at war in our difference to being united and at peace as children of God. The gospel brings peace with God and with each other. And this works in remarkable and powerful ways all the time throughout the world. Perhaps you've seen it in your own life where relationships have been restored as people come to faith. But I want to tell you a story for, from Cambodia to whet your appetite to come if we go in 2025. There, you may have heard me talk about this before because it is truly one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard and seen. But there in Cambodia is a man called Gung Hin. And he is a pastor of one of the churches in the north of Cambodia and he was a soldier for Pol Pot in the Khmer Rouge, which means he was responsible for killing the family members of people he pastors. The people he pastors in the north of Cambodia are people he used to persecute when Pol Pot and his army escaped up to the north of that country uh, and lived there with Western support for way too long. And yet in the gospel, there's peace. 
it's truly remarkable. And I thought, this doesn't make any sense to me. But then I was reading, not long after I met this uh, uh, man, the story of Paul, or Saul becoming Paul in Acts. And I thought, crikey, uh, it's just the same, isn't it? There is a man at war with Christians who meets Jesus, has his life turned around, and those who he was formerly trying to kill and persecute, he now works with to preach the gospel. When the gospel breaks into our lives, it transforms us in a powerful and deep way that makes no sense to anyone who doesn't understand what Jesus has done, to anyone who doesn't understand that we were dead in our sins and that Jesus has truly paid the price for them, that we are united with Christ in his death and so raised with him in his resurrection and so we can forgive and come together in Christ. When the gospel breaks into our lives, we can make enemies our friends because of the true and deep forgiveness that Christ has won for us. We can become brothers and sisters with those with whom we were once at war or persecute, who persecuted us or who we were persecuting because the gospel, Jesus has paid the price for our sin. We've been raised with Christ to re- live a resurrection life for God's glory. Nothing reflects the glory of God more than sinners coming to faith in Christ, trusting in his death as the payment for sin and then living together in unity building their lives on the gospel. That's hard, and it's actually humanly impossible to do. And that's why Paul finishes out this section reminding us of the work of the Spirit in us as we come to Christ. In him, verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. In the Old Testament, uh, if you're a student of the Scriptures, you'll know the the Old Testament temple was a place where God dwelt with his people. It was a place that represented God's presence with his people. But with the coming of Christ, God now dwells in the lives of individual believers and he dwells especially in the lives of the individual believers as they come together, Paul's telling us here. As we come together, Jew and Gentile, left and right, Greenian Industrialists, Australia Day and Invasion Day, whatever our differences might be, as we come together in Christ, as we put those differences aside and live in unity because of the gospel, it's a representation to the world of the power and presence of God. And it's only through God's Spirit making real the peace of the gospel that we can live together. It's only through daily dying to self and rising in Christ and God's Spirit working powerfully through us that we can overcome our differences. It's only through God's Spirit making real the peace of the gospel that a former soldier of the Khmer Rouge can worship in church with those he's persecuted. 
And it's only when we truly understand who every single one of us was without Christ that the whole thing's possible. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we may believe, we were dead in our sins. And yet God made us alive in Christ Jesus. What God has done for us in making us alive and giving us peace with God and peace with each other is truly a remarkable thing. So let me encourage you to seek to live together well. Of course, the thing is, we're going to get this wrong from time to time, but that's part of, I think, what makes it so remarkable, is instead of engaging in council culture in the church when one of us stuffs up, we forgive and we move forward together in love. There's no sin too big, no failure too messy that can keep you from the love of God, that can keep you from the cross. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, your sin is paid for and in Christ, you find your brothers and sisters here in this church ready to stand with you and say, she's one of us. He's one of us. A sinner saved by grace. Forgiven, restored. Let us offer that peace, forgiveness and reconciliation to the world. And let us keep our focus on Jesus and ask God to show, our, show to our world our unity, our peace, because our world is desperate for it. It's crying out for unity and peace, but it's looking in all the wrong places. Maybe God might use us to show them that they can find what they're looking for in Jesus. Amen. Amen.